Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Ann Mank, Certified Financial Planner and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. And for our Florida listeners, we are also have an office in the Bonita Springs area. If you're ever interested in learning more about our offices, including a virtual tour of each location, please visit our website at ellenbecker.com. On our website, you can also put a face with a name because we have bios and videos for all our advisors. We also include a listing of all our current events, plus links to past radio shows on our website as well. Well, today on Money Sense, we are going to go down to the basics. And you get me as both the host and the guest today. So we're going to talk about the basics of finance. So on past shows, we've had individuals come on, and one in particular, Erin Lowry, we talked to about Broke Millennials. She's written two books. And that got me thinking that it's not just one generation. It's multiple generations that have never been taught how money works, have never been taught about investing. And so that's really what I want to do in today's show. I want to put some perspective around money, how it works. I want to give you high-level basics of the various investment vehicles and accounts that you can use. And what I really want to do is make money simple so that you can understand it and then also have the curiosity to move forward and learn more about money and how it works. And so one of the things I want to talk about is why this is important. And when I think back to that, what it really comes back to is that money affects everything. There is nothing that you do on a daily basis that does not have money involved. You pay for electricity. You might go out to eat. You drive your car to work. Turn on the TV. All of that costs money. And so it's important to understand how that works. It's also a universal language. Anywhere you go, there is money, there's currency that gets exchanged exchanged. And that's how you pay for things. And even if you can't speak the same language, you'd be able to have a transaction if you understand how money works. And so we do a seminar a lot in our offices on the basics of finance. And that's what I want to talk about today. One of the other reasons why I think this is so important is because when we're working with clients, a lot of times we hear about their concern about, I don't want to be taken advantage of. I don't want to fall victim to fraud. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to lose my money. And really what that comes down to is not understanding how this industry works, not understanding how money works, not understanding how investing works. And so the more I can teach you and the more that you can learn about that, you would have that gut feeling if something doesn't seem right because you have the knowledge behind you to support that. So if you're talking to somebody, you would have that that internal, you know what, this sounds too good to be true, because you would have evidence, you would have support, you would have education that would back you up saying, yeah, you know what, this is too good to be true. In the world of money, and Warren Buffett kind of preaches this all the time, 
that you want to look for good, solid investments and hold them for a while. You don't want to be the get rich quick person. Throughout the history of the market, you've seen many things of, oh, this is a great idea. This is a hot buy. And then you've seen it blow up and people have lost their life savings because they didn't understand how this works. And they were really just trying to find a a quick dollar. And so today we're going to go through the basics. We're going to go through investments. We're going to give you the knowledge and the support that you need. But as always, if you ever want to learn more, we have a ton of information on our website at ellenbecker.com. Or if you have specific questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at ann, A-N-N-E, at ellenbecker.com. And so let me give you a high-level overview of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the different types of investments. What are things that you can use, can you put your money into, and how does it work? What are the risks associated with that? So that you can make sure that you understand how it works and you make a decision that is right for you. We're also going to talk about the different types of investment accounts. So you might be thinking, this is a great investment. I really want to invest in XYZ, but how do I do it? Where do I do it? And so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about taxes, one of my favorite things to talk about. Because a lot of times you can do a really good job saving. You can put it in the right investments. But if you don't have taxes in the back of your mind and you don't know how that investment is going to be taxed or how much is going to be taken once it is taxed, you're not going to have the rate of return that you expect. And so we'll talk about some of the buckets, the different taxes that are out there. And then we'll also talk about a few tips and techniques you can use from your personal finance. So a lot of it will be talking about investments, but we'll also talk about the personal finance. What can you do from a day-to-day basis that will help you get control of your money? And also, once again, get, give you that gut feeling of, are you spending too much in an area or not? We'll give you some guidelines and some guide rails on that as well. So that is our overview for the next few minutes that you're going to spend with me here on Money Sense. So we'll take a really small break and then we'll dive right into the different types of investments and really give you that education that you're looking for. So we'll be right back. Sense. I am your host and your guest, Ann Mink, Certified Financial Planner and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today we're talking about the basics of finance, the basics of money. What are those key things that you need to know when it comes to investing so that you start developing the knowledge and that internal gut of what is really a good investment and what is something that you probably shouldn't be putting your money towards? And so in this next segment, we're going to talk about the different types of investments so that when you hear on the radio or you hear on the TV, stock market is doing this, here's what the bond market is doing, you understand how they work and what that really means. And so we're going to just jump right in to bonds and CDs. So this type of investment we typically call a conservative investment. The reason we would call it more of a conservative investment is that the volatility, which means the amount that it can go up and down on any given period, any given day, tends to be less than the stock market. But it does not mean that it cannot go up and down. And so we'll talk about that. But what you're doing with a bond is you are allowing a corporation or a bank to use your money for a certain point in time. So let's say it's a five-year bond. So you give them $10,000 to use. 
They say thank you and we will use this for five years. At the end of that five-year term, they will give you back your $10,000. During that five-year period, there is agreed upon interest that they are going to pay you. Could be quarterly, could be annually, could be twice a year. But let's say that that amount is 3%. So they are going to pay you 3% on that $10,000 annually for a five-year period. Now, let's say you buy this bond and you're looking at your statement and it's two years later. What could actually show up on your statement could be more or less than that $10,000. It might show up as $9,500 on your statement. That's the price you would currently get if you needed to sell that bond before that five-year term. So there is some volatility in bonds. They can go up and down. But really, if you are buying a bond, it's because you want to get your $10,000 back at the end of that five-year period. And you want that income stream. Now, when it comes to bonds, the guarantee that you are receiving is based on the quality of the corporation or the bank that you are getting that from. So there's different ratings on those bonds. You want to make sure you pay attention to those. The higher the ratings, those that are AAA, AA, that means they have a really good credit rating in the bond industry. And so you want to make sure that you know who the bond is going, is coming from, and who you're giving your money to. And you also want to know that rating, because that what that will do is tell you how much risk you're taking. And usually the higher the interest rate on the bond, the more risk you are taking with that company, because they have a lower credit rating. And those are called high yield bonds. And so there is a lot of complexity in the bond market. So it's important to understand who the bond is through, what their credit rating is, how long the term is for, and the interest rate that you're receiving from it. Now, there's also something in a bond that can have the bond be callable. So you want to know what that date is is as well. So what could happen is you might have a five-year bond, but there's a call date that says after three years, they could call that bond and you will no longer earn the interest. They'll give you your money back, but you will no longer earn the interest on that because they've refinanced it or they've paid it up in full. So it's just something to be careful with to understand what type of bond you're getting into. Now, CDs are short-term products, very similar to bonds, but they're usually three months, six months, two years. And it's usually with the bank that you are currently working with, even though there are CDs you can get outside of your current bank. CDs are the exact same. You earn an amount based on that CD rate. You hold it for a certain amount of time, and then they give you that money back. So that is more of a conservative approach. Then you have something called stocks. So what you're doing with a stock is you are giving money over so that you can buy a portion of ownership in that company. So let's say you're buying AT&T. You give them money so that you buy one share. You are now an owner of that company. The value that you have in that company can go up and down depending on the market, depending on what's happening in the world, depending on what's happening with that company. And that price can change from minute to minute as well. So that has more volatility than what we would see in a bond. Now with a stock, there's two types of stock. There's a growth stock and there's a dividend paying stock. Growth stock, what we're looking for is the price to go up. So if we buy it at $10, we're looking for it to go up to, you know, who knows, $60. Now, a dividend-paying stock, they have the ability for the price to go up or down, but they have the, the ability for the price to change, but they also pay you a dividend on a quarterly basis. And that dividend gets declared by their board, 
And you know exactly what that's going to be. You know exactly when it's going to be paid. And it is not dependent on the price of the stock. It's dependent on the number of shares you own. So the stock price could be going down and you still get your dividend. So once again, it's just important to understand what types of stock you are getting so you understand the risk and what the volatility might look like in that stock and what the benefits might be. Because in a growth stock, you typically don't get a dividend, or if you do, it's a smaller one. Whereas some of these stocks that have been around for a long time have been paying dividends for 50, 60, 100 years, their stock price isn't going to be as volatile because they're offering that dividend. But it does not mean that it can't go up and down just as much as the growth. Now, there's another type of investment where what they do is they package all of these stocks and bonds together in a group for you, and it allows you to buy a package of investments versus having to go out and buy individual stocks or individual bonds. It's an easier way to get into the market in a diversified way because you don't have to buy a hundred different shares of a hundred different companies. You just buy this package. And there's two different packages, package types. One is a mutual fund. If you have a retirement plan out there, a lot of times it would include a mutual fund. A mutual fund is just a group of investments that have been put together that are actively managed by a third party. So for example, let's say Verizon is in this group, Verizon is not behaving, or Verizon really doesn't have a good outlook from a stock perspective, and I'm just using Verizon as an example, not as an actual case. But let's just say it's Verizon, they're not behaving. This active manager, this third party will say, okay, Verizon, we're taking you out and we are going to replace you with AT&T or whatever they feel is best at that time. But they do the work for you. They're constantly researching the market and they're making choices based on what they think is best going forward in the market. The other type of investment is what's called an ETF or an index fund. They are very similar. And what these funds do, it's more of a passive type of investment, which means they look at, for example, the Dow Jones. And they say, I want every single stock in the Dow Jones index. And so they pick stock based on the Dow Jones. It's exactly like it. They package it up for individuals, and individuals are allowed to buy that. So both of these types of investments will package things up for you and allow you to buy them in a way that's more efficient and easier if you're just getting into the market. However, the big difference is one is passive, those ETFs and those index, which means that the only time that is going to change is if the index itself changes. So you are buying the market as the market is. Whereas in a mutual fund, it is actively managed, which means there could be one manager, multiple managers saying, I think this is the best investment for this type of mutual fund that we're building. And we're going to make changes as we go along. So now, as you can imagine, because one is passive, one is active, there might be some differences on what the internal costs will be for each product. So in a passive investment, because there's not as much oversight, there's not as much analysis and research, the internal costs 
which means the cost for that third party to package this and run this for you, is usually fairly low. So they're very a cost-effective way of investing. Now, the mutual funds, because you have one or multiple managers and they are doing a ton of research and they might have people in the countries that they're buying companies for, tend to have higher internal costs. And it's really up to you to decide, well, what type of investment do you feel most comfortable with? What type of activity do you want going with on within these packages? And is the price you're paying worth the return that you are getting? So really pay attention to those internal costs. It's called an expense ratio. So if you ever research an index or if you ever research a mutual fund online, there should be a line on there that says expense ratio. And that's telling you how much you're being charged by this third party to manage that account for you. So that's a stock. So those are bonds, stocks, and index mutual funds. There are also other types of investments you can be in, but they get a lot more complicated. So what I would suggest is just understand the basics, do some research on the basics, get a really good feel for how they work, how the market works. One thing you can do is just kind of look around your house, and if there is a product or if there is something you use or a service you use consistently and you really like the company, start following that company. You can look it up online. You can find out how their financials are. You can watch what their price does on a daily basis. You don't necessarily have to buy it. Just start researching it and watching it and see how it grows and get a feel for the market and how it works. You can also do that with bond prices. Pick a bank that you currently work with. See what their CD rates do on a quarterly basis. Start watching that. You can also see and research what the um, Fed rate currently is because a lot of the bond prices and CDs and the interest you earn in the bank is based off of that rate. So just start paying attention. Start being a little bit more mindful when you are online looking at information. Are they screaming at you and barking at you saying it's the end of the world? Or are they actually providing education? Saying here's really what's going on. Here are the facts. Like I said, there's more complex types of investments you can be in. Insurance products, annuities. The only thing I'm going to say about those is it just has to be the right situation for the right person for those. They are great products if they are used the right way. So make sure you do your research. They are highly complex and... They ta- there's a lot of guarantees and insurance behind it that you really need to understand how that works. If you want information on that, I'm happy to provide some additional information. So just reach out to us. Like I said, we have a lot of information on ellenbecker.com. Um, but just do your research with all of that. So I know I just gave you a whole bunch of information. So what I'll do is I take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the different types of investment accounts that you can use. And then we'll also talk about that personal finance, some of those tips and tricks as well. So we will be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host and your guest, Ann Mank, Certified Financial Planner and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I was just thinking back to that last segment and I downloaded a bunch of information. And I'm sure after this radio show, you're going to be like, what did she say? I know she said something about that. 
Well, feel free to listen to this again. You can get it on our website at ellenbecker.com. Also, feel free to share this information. What I really am hoping is that I'm providing an education that you feel is valuable, but also something that you can share. Share this with your kids. Share this with your parents. Share this with friends. I really want investing and money to be a topic of conversation and not something that we hide behind or not something that we think is overly complex or only for those really smart people in those big buildings. Money is something we use on a day-to-day basis, and investing is a way to use that money to your advantage. And so that's what I'm trying to share today, is just different ways that you can use money to further yourself, to get to that financial freedom that everybody talks about, but really just give you the education to help you on that path and also give you resources. Like I said, we have a ton of information on ellenbecker.com. Feel free to email me at ann, A-N-N-E, at ellenbecker.com. We also have a ton of seminars in our home office that are always free and open to the public. So feel free to go on our website and check those out as well. All righty, let's get back to it. So now we're going to talk about the different types of investment accounts. So we've heard the first segment of here's, here's the different ways that you can invest. Okay, great. I want to invest in a mutual fund. How the heck am I going to do that? Where do I do that? You know, what are my next steps? And so I'm going to walk you through a couple of those. First one I'm going to start with is something that everyone is probably pretty familiar with. It is your money market or your savings account. So in the money market and the savings account, it is money held at the bank. And because it's more of a savings, which means that there shouldn't be a lot of activity coming in and out. For example, you aren't putting your checkbook and your checks and your debit cards through this account, typically. They offer you a little bit of a higher rate. So find a bank you're comfortable with. Make sure you understand the interest rate that you are earning because it's always important to be earning money on your money, especially if it is something that is sitting there and you're going to use it for an emergency fund or you're not necessarily using at this moment this moment, make sure you check out the interest rates and you're getting one that is comparable to the market. So that's where you put money. Um, There's really no investments in there. You might be able to put a CD in there, but really it's just liquid. You want to make sure you can get to it when you can and earn a little bit of interest on it as well. The next type of investment account is what we would call a brokerage account. It's an investment account. So once again, it's like putting money in the bank. It is money that you've earned, you've been taxed on, it is yours to use. And a brokerage account, you can buy these investments. You can buy bonds in a brokerage account. You can buy stocks, mutual funds, ETFs. This investment account is very similar to a savings account, except that you can actually buy those investments that we talked about. You can do it yourself. So you can go online to one of the online brokerage accounts and you can buy these yourself or you can also go through an advisor as well. Really depends on your comfort level and how sophisticated you the, the um, investment is that you want, how comfortable with actually going through the buys and sells, how comfortable you are doing your own research versus going through an advisor to do the research for you. But in, a brokerage account is a way to have an investment account outside of any retirement. So this is money you can take in and out anytime you want to. And we'll talk about the taxes part in a little bit. But it's your money to use. The next one to talk about is those retirement plans. 
So there's various different ways that you can invest in a retirement plan. One is through an employer. So depending on your employer would depend on the name that they give it. But common ones are 401ks, 403bs, 457s, simples, SEPs, tons of different names. But really, the basis of it is that it is sponsored by your employer, and you usually can have money taken out of your paycheck to put into this plan. Now, because it's a retirement plan, there is usually the rule of 59 and a half. That's the general rule. There's some other rules in there, but generally 59 and a half, you have to keep the money in if you don't want to incur a penalty for taking it out. Now, there's certain circumstances you can take that out. Once again, that's, that's more of meeting with an advisor and figuring out what those are to see if it's right for you. <clears throat> but generally, 59 and a half, you keep the money in. You don't want to touch it until you're in retirement because the goal of this is to fund your retirement. It's not something to get you out of debt. It's not something that you can take when you feel like buying another car and you're 40 years old. It is for retirement, and that's why that penalty is in place. Now, in a retirement plan, you can either put it in after-tax or pre-tax. Some plans only let you do it pre-tax. Each plan is different, so make sure you understand the plan that your employer offers. But you put the money in, the company might have a match, which means that if you put 3% in, they might match 3%. Make sure you always contribute up to that match. It is a benefit, it is money that the employer is trying to give you, so please put that match in to get up to that. But with the retirement plans, it is growing tax-deferred in most cases, which means you put $100 in now, it grows to 1000 You have not paid any tax along the way, but when you take that $1,000 out when you're who knows, 62 years old, you're going to be taxed on that amount. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But in these retirement plans, because they are employer sponsored, what they do is they have a menu of investments that you can choose from. Typically, it is mutual funds and ETFs and indexes. And they can be anywhere from really small companies that they're investing in to bonds to anything in between. And then they might also have something called a target fund what these target funds do is they say, based on this date, let's say the year 2035, we are going to manage this mutual fund so that it starts off more aggressive and gets more conservative as you get closer to that date, which we assume is your retirement date. So there's a lot of options in these employer retirement plans that you can take advantage of. Now, there's also retirement plans that you can invest in their personal retirement plans. They are called IRAs. There is a Roth IRA, there is a traditional IRA. There is a maximum amount that you could put in, which is less than what you can put into an employer-sponsored plan, but they also have some caps on what they can do as well. But in an IRA, you can put up to a certain amount as long as your income for the year is below a certain threshold. So if you need more information about that, please talk to your tax consultant. You can talk to us. We have a director of tax um, in Ellen Becker Investment Group as well, that we can definitely help you. But those are, are kind of the guidelines. You choose what you want in those plans. So for example, if you want to put a stock in there, you can put a stock in there. If you want a bond, you can put a bond, mutual fund, ETF. Because it is your retirement plan, you choose the investments you put in. However, you are responsible for the expenses of that plan. 
under an employer plan, they pay for most of the expenses because they're sponsoring it. Your individual plan, you are responsible for it, so you will pay the fees on that. Now you can also do your employer plan, and there's a possibility you can also do your personal plan funding them all in the same year. So I just want to let people know that as well. Now the different IRAs that you can have, the personal plans, traditional means a gross tax deferred. You put the money in, you don't get taxed until you take it out. You've never been taxed on that money, so that's why you get taxed when you take it out. The Roth, the money has been taxed. You put it in, it grows completely tax-free. So that when you take the money out, you will never pay tax on that amount. They both, the traditional and Roth IRAs, have the rule of 59 and a half, which means if you take it before 59 and a half, under most circumstances, you would have to pay a penalty for doing that. Traditional IRA also has the rule that at 70 and a half, you have to start taking money out. And I know that seems a little bit strange. Why would I be forced? I'm probably going to take it out anyways. But if you're a really good planner and a really good saver, you might not want to take that money out of your traditional IRA. But the, the rules of the plan say that at the age of 70 and a half, you have to take a certain percentage out each year for as long as you live past that. The Roth IRA does not have that rule because it's never going to be taxed. So the IRS is never going to get their money. So they say you can leave that in for as long as you want. There's also some really nice rules with a Roth IRA. So I'm happy to talk about that individual if you want. But it is a really nice investment if you want tax-free growth for a really long period of time. So those are the different types of investment accounts that you can have. What I also want to talk about real quick is the different taxes associated with it. So when it comes to money market and brokerage accounts, any activity in that account gets taxed in that current year. You buy, you sell, you have a gain, you have a loss, you have dividends come in, you have interest come in, you have gain, capital gains on there. All of that is taxed in the current tax year. Now you have retirement plans that are pre-tax from the employer and you have traditional IRAs. That money is never taxed going in. It grows tax deferred, which means year over year, you're not paying taxes on the growth of that. But then when you decide to take it out after 59 and a half, you are going to be taxed just like it's income that you earned. So it's ordinary income tax. And then the third one is this Roth IRA. So this is the tax-free bucket. The money you put in has been taxed. It grows completely tax-free. If you decide to take it out after the age of 59 and a half, there's no tax. You put in $1,000, it grows to $10,000. You take out the $10,000 when you're 62. There's no tax on that amount. So when you're putting a plan together for yourself, or if you're working with an advisor, make sure you have a tax strategy for what you're contributing. And it is never too early to think about, how am I going to take this money out down the road? Because you need to have a good investment strategy as well as a good tax strategy when you're dealing with money. Because you're, you're never going to get out of the taxes. But if we can mitigate it or if we make sure that you are not um, paying more taxes than you need to, that's how we make sure that your money grows and works for you. 
So I'm going to take one more quick break here when we come back. I'm going to talk about personal finance tips and tricks. And then I also have a challenge that I'm going to leave you with. So make sure you stay put and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host, Ann May, Certified Financial Planner and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. So we've been talking about the basics, the finance basics, and we've talked about different investments to be in. We also talked about different accounts that you can use to hold those investments. For this last segment, what I'd like to do is talk about just some personal finance tips and tricks. And so these are little things to think about, things to put into place right away in your daily life, just things that you really should know about when we are talking about money and personal finance. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the concept of compound saving and then also the flip side of that. So compound saving, what that is, is you're putting money in the bank. You earn interest on that money. That interest goes back into the bank. Now your interest is earning interest. And it's a wonderful thing. Some people call it, I don't know, the 10th wonder of the world. But it's a way of your money to make money for you. And so that's called compound saving. The flip side of that, though, that I want to make you aware of is compound spending. And what this means, and I'll give you an example, is let's say you're looking at your living room and you say, I need to repaint the wall. It's been five, 10 years since we painted this place. I'm going to paint it. So you paint the wall, 75 bucks to do the whole thing. You have the nice new painted living room. Well, now you're looking at the furniture and you say, you know what? This furniture doesn't match this paint color anymore. So I'm going to get new furniture. So you buy a new couch and new love seat, And now, you know, $3,000 later, then you're, you're looking at the whole living room and you say, you know what, this carpet, it's been 10 years. So let me replace that. So your compound spending, instead of paying $75 to have a room repainted, you are now thousands of dollars into this. And so just be careful when you are spending money that you are not doing compound spending, because sometimes that eats into your cash flow and takes away more of your money um, than the benefit of compound spending saving. So make sure that you're aware of that. Another example of this is you might be going out to eat with friends and we're just going to have one appetizer, one drink, one drink becomes three drinks. And then you say, oh, I'll just stay for dinner. So instead of maybe $10, $15, you are now maybe $100 in. So just be very mindful on your spending and realize that it can start compounding and snowballing on you if you're not mindful of it. The next little tip that I'd like to share with you is called the 50-30-20 rule. What this does is it allows you to see where you're spending your money and if you're spending it in the right places. So when we're looking at this, what you need to do is write down your expenses for the past three months. So look at your credit card statements, your bank statements, figure out where you spent your money for the last three months and put those into categories. When you have those categories in place, what I want you to do is break out those expenses into three buckets. The first bucket are the necessities. So it is the expenses that you absolutely need in order to live or to work. So that might be your mortgage payment, might be your gas in your car, food from the grocery store, really those things that if you didn't have a job, what are the expenses you would still need to pay? And so that goes in the first bucket. Second bucket, what I want you to put in there are all the savings that you do. Money going into your 401k, money going into your savings account, money going to charity, 
So anything that you are doing to donate or save should go into that bucket. And then everything else should be in the third bucket. So now the way that you can interpret this or, or do an analysis on it is that fixed portion should only be 50% of your expenses. So 50%, well, let's say 50% of the money that you bring in. So 50% of the money you bring in should only be for fixed. 20% of the cash that comes in should be savings, should be donations, really saving for the future. That third part, that 30%, that can be for anything you want. So if you put it in these buckets and you, you've allocated 50% to fixed and you've allocated 20% for your future, you have the freedom to spend that 30% on anything you want. You want to go to the restaurant? Great. If you want to go and get that new purse? Great. But it allows you to spend money in a way so that you don't feel guilty, but it also shows you where your money is going. And it also allows you to make sure that you are covering the things that are important. So it's just another way of being mindful of your money and making sure that you have things in the right buckets. Now, if you do this exercise and you realize that you are spending only 30% on fixed, well, then that means you're spending too much on maybe things that aren't important or maybe you're not saving as much. Maybe you need to put more into your retirement account. Maybe you need to put more away for a rainy day. So it's just a way of looking at your, your money and your cash flow to know where it's going. Because a lot of times when I'm working with individuals, that's one of the comments they always have is, I don't know where my money is going. And I don't necessarily believe in budgets. I think they're hard to follow. But I think if you look back on where you're spending, you'll become more mindful of what you're spending and it'll make it easier for you to be more disciplined in the future. So that's just another tip. Also in the world of finance, we find that anything you can automate, you can actually you know, attain as a goal. So what I mean by that is if you can automate something, money going into a savings account, money going into your 401k, money going uh, to that trip that you've been wanting to take, if you can automate it so you don't have to think about it, it's a lot easier for you to attain that goal because you don't think. It's not like you have to log on to your bank account, transfer it over to your other bank account, figure out the amount that you have to put in there. You set it up for a set amount and it's done. It's gone. And before you know it, you'll have accumulated the amount that you need to attain your goal. So automate as much as you possibly can. Another tip is to write things down. And so just part of being human nature, what you write down, it makes it easier for you to attain. So write down your financial goals. Write down the expenses that you are incurring on a monthly basis. So one exercise you can do with this is on a monthly basis for one month, just write down every single expense that you have. I bought coffee, $1.50. I bought a gallon of milk and that's $3. Write it down so that you can see that expense and be disciplined about this. Because by writing it down, it'll do two things. One is you'll think about it and say, well, is this really worthy of me writing it down, of me getting my notebook out and actually writing down this expense? And then you also see the expenses so that you can have that review at the end of the month saying, oh my goodness, I spent a lot of movies this week. So you'd have more visibility to it. So it's not some black hole that your money is going into. Also, what I, if you want to take a step further, 
share that list with someone. Because by sharing that list of expenses, you'll have that other moment of mindfulness of, okay, is this worthy of writing down? But is it worthy enough to show somebody else? Is this really what I want that person to see that I spent that much on this? Or that that's where my money is going? So it's just another really good exercise to be mindful of where your money is, to start taking accountability for your cash flow. Because a lot of times what's happening is just small little leaks, $10 here, $15 here. Oh, I forgot that I was still paying for that gym membership that I no longer go to. So it's just a nice way of spring cleaning, a nice way of being mindful, a nice way of taking control of your finances so it's not such a scary beast that's out there. These are little things that you can put in place. Now, quickly before I go, my last challenge is what I'd like you to do is on a small posting note, write a goal, write how much it's going to cost to attain that goal, and then put a date to it. And what I want you to do is put that posting note on the credit card you use, the checkbook that you use, whatever you use, so that every time you take that credit card out, you'll see that goal and you'll see that amount. And once again, it's just going to make you more mindful of where your money is going and also keeping your goals in sight at all times. So if you wanted to take that vacation, write that down, put the dollar amount and a date that you are definitely going to do it. And then just keep looking at that, reminding yourself of that's your ultimate goal. Maybe not that coffee from Starbucks instead. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening to me. And don't forget Money Sense airs Saturday from 2 to 3 and Sunday from 12 to 1. As always, we hope that we have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Thank you to all of our clients who are listening. I know you have a lot of choices, so we appreciate and feel honored to have the opportunity to serve you. And at Ellen Becker, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Visit us at ellenbecker.com for more information and have a great rest of your day. 